Today we look at the life of Joseph, and I want us to think about faithfulness. And I want us to look at the conclusion of his life to begin the series. Begin with the end in mind. You've heard that old saying before. And we're going to do that today with Joseph. Um, and so, I'll ask you to take out your pew Bibles. Did you know there are Bibles in our pews? Yeah, they're the red books, not the blue ones. The blue ones you sing out of, the red ones you read out of. And if you will turn to page 48 there, you will see that we're going to read the very last parts of the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, and Joseph concludes his life there at the end of Genesis. Now, to give you a greater context, last year we looked at Moses, and remember Moses is the one that led God's people out of Egypt because of slavery. Well, Joseph is actually the one responsible for leading God's people into Egypt during famine times, and we'll learn about that. But, but Moses will begin in Exodus some years later. Joseph ends some generations before in Genesis. And so um, chapter 50, verses 22 through 26. So Joseph remained in Egypt. And he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children of mature son of Manasseh, were also born on Joseph's knee. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Why am I about to die? No, I am about to die, but God will surely come to you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Those are his forefathers. So Joseph made the Israelites swear, saying, When God comes to you, you shall carry up my bones from here. And Joseph died. Being 110 years old, he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. And today that is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, let's pray together, please. Oh, God, speak to me that I may hear, and through me that we all may hear afresh and anew this, your word of old for us today. And help us to find great inspiration and great instruction and direction for our lives from that of Joseph as we go forward. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, you heard, didn't you, Joseph's concluding thoughts of his life. And I want us to think today about the end of our lives, maybe, and what do we want to say at the very end of our days? Or what do we want people to say about us at the end of our days? We may not have 110 years, right? Most likely not. But whatever the number, short or long, there's a lot to be said about where we end up that's most important. And it's important for us to think where we want to be with that so that we can live our lives accordingly day to day. I want us to do that, as I said, with Joseph and consider these thoughts of his at the very conclusion of his life as we start and kick off this sermon series. And three thoughts today, of course, because, well... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, right? I always use three points. Yeah, the first of those is, is that Joseph, 
uh, thought to himself and recorded that I've been faithful to God my whole life through. And I hope and desire that that's what can be said of me and for all of you as you do reach whatever days those are at the end, that God's faithfulness was most important to you and you living out a life of faithfulness in response to him was your goal in life. God's faithfulness is a blessing, and for us to live faithfully is quite difficult in life, is it not? Yeah, and the thing about Joseph, as you'll hear in the coming weeks, is that he was a man of great character. He lived a life that was faithful to God. Not that he was perfect. He was imperfect in some ways, and yet the scripture gives to us many instances where he resisted temptation, where he continued believing in God when it seemed that the jig was up, when he believed that there were more days for him in store, when his life seemed in peril and as if to end. He remained humble when he reached his his zenith, his pinnacle, if you will, of riches and power in Egypt. Joseph's life is one of faithfulness in good times and bad, and that's what we're called to do, simply. In following Christ is to live faithful lives. In, in this story of Joseph, we'll read, there's really four stories we'll be reading of. There are 13 chapters of Genesis devoted to this, this faithful man of faith. And they surround four stories. One of those is Jacob, I mean, uh, Joseph growing up in Jacob's house, of he and his brothers. There were 12 of them, including him. And the second story we'll be looking at is Joseph in Potiphar's house, who was, was a slave owner when Joseph was sold into slavery. And we'll look at uh, Joseph in prison, a time when he was jailed, and how he handled that and lived and dealt with that. And finally, Joseph living in Pharaoh's house, meaning in the place of power in Egypt, in which he finished his life and was a blessing to so many different people. In good times and bad and challenges and, and times of glory and grace, Joseph was a faithful man through and through in the way that he lived in all that he did. And we should be so striving as followers of Christ to seek out such the same. Joseph uh, talked about being faithful his whole life through in his final days. He also talked about believing in God's promise. Did you hear that as well? Joseph was talking about, about the oath that uh, God promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That is his family heritage. Now, let me give you just a and I couldn't find a great picture of it. I need to create one, but that's the family tree, if you will, of Joseph. You see Joseph, he's number 11 down on the bottom right. Do you see Joseph? Can you see that far? You may not need glasses. It may just be my graphic today, okay? But, but you see that there are 12 children, 12 sons rather, that are listed down there at the bottom, and that is Joseph and his brothers. And he comes from the line of Abraham. Abraham's considered the father of the Jewish faith, uh, the father of the Christian faith, the very beginning of it all, if you will. He made that covenant with God that I will be 
faithful to you and your person. And God said, I will bless you with much wealth and many people, many descendants through that covenant. And so Abraham's covenant is what, what Joseph is talking about and hearkening back to here in his very last days. You see that Abraham and Sarah had Isaac um, for purposes of the lineage of Joseph. We'll just stick with that. And then Isaac, the, the son that Abraham and Sarah had waited so long for, uh, married Rebekah and had one of their children, which was Jacob. The other was Esau. There's a whole other sermon series in, in that brotherly relationship. But, but for the sake of, of Joseph, Jacob was one of the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. And with four other four women, he had 12 children. Now, you hear a lot about blended families today. There's a lot of challenges when couples divorce and and they remarry and they have children that are from different lineages and we think gosh that's uh that's a, a new problem well it's not because in the days of polygamy in the old testament before god said no it's it's not a good thing to just have so many wives and so many children by them before that there were blended families and these 12 brothers as we will find had great sibling rivalries, challenges and issues because of that. And yet God worked through it all to, to produce these 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, that may not be significant in your thinking or in your mind, but pretty much God's nation, the nation of Israel, was divided up into these 12 tribes from that point forward. There are 12 disciples that Jesus chose in the Bible in large part because that number 12 was a holy and sacred number, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples to follow Jesus and to, to be leaders of his church. And so in the context of it all, Joseph is saying at the very end of his life a promise that was made generations before to his great-great-grandfather. Now why was he claiming that for himself? Why was he talking about that as some of his last words? Because it was essential and important to the family, and important to us too. But not just some dusty old promise that, that his great-great-grandfather made some time back. It was a promise that Joseph claimed for himself. He lived it out. And we'll be talking about how he claimed that promise of God in his life, his whole life through. And that's how he finished strong and faithful, was he was connected and in love with God. I, I hope that all of us know that these promises of God that we talk about, ours as Christians in Christ Jesus, are not just some dusty old story from 2,000 years ago, but it's a living and a breathing thing that we can experience, just as the first disciples did, just as Joseph did with God's presence and hand as he went through his years, God is alive and well, and his spirit breathes into us life, and if we will claim that purpose and grasp that promise for ourselves as his children, we will do great things, things greater than ourselves. I can just picture this, this story, can't you, where it says that Joseph with 
with three generations of, of grandkids sitting upon his knee, great-great-grandchildren he was holding. What a beautiful sight, 110 years old and holding the latest addition to the family. And it makes you think about, doesn't it, uh, things that we teach our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and the importance of those and them becoming something great themselves. Isn't that one thing that parents or I think even grandparents, though I don't have personal knowledge of that yet, one thing that we desire is for our kids to do great and do well in life. Really, we just don't want them to come back home so we, we don't have to support them any longer. No, no, there's much more than that. There's a yearning, isn't there? I have it in my heart and in my soul for my children to do well. And I'm not just talking about success. Because Joseph, as we will see, hit the pinnacles of success with great wealth and great power in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And yet he had moments where he was in the pit, in prison, left for dead. And in all of that, all of that, Joseph never stopped believing. He always knew that God had a greater purpose for him in mind. And I want my kids to know that for themselves, for their lives. Do you? Do you grandparents want that for your grandkids? Do you great-grandparents want that for your great-grandkids? That's the desire, I think, of every family and every, everybody that has kids in their life and want to share with them the, the gift of faith. I think one of the greatest things, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, that you can do is to help your children in your lives understand this. Because there are stories in this book that have inspired the ages, and Joseph is one of them in a very big way, for kids to lean into something greater than themselves. And I'm talking about God. Because without this, what are we left with to inspire us and to motivate us into something bigger and greater in life? We're left with ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I have, uh, I have had... The issue of tripping myself up from time to time when I lose sight of God. The Bible, the scriptures, reading those stories, having our kids learn those, become a part of their life is such an essential thing to expanding their horizons, to seeing a greater good and purpose in their life. I know a lot of times we, uh, we talk about education, and that is certainly important and gives the tools to kids, doesn't it, to, to be able to expand their horizons and do greater things and go great places. Uh, and yet, it in and of itself is not enough. We talk about self-confidence, and that's important, and, and I try to cheerlead my kids every chance I get, and I would imagine that each and every person here that has a kid in their life does that. And yet, at some point, I'm not going to be around to do that anymore. And you won't be around to do that anymore either. Something greater has to inspire and to move and to motivate kids. And it has to be something that is greater than themselves. To say, just have faith in yourself, you can do it, is an inspiring thought, but it's, it's short thought out because... All of us have shortcomings, or we'll come to terms with that at some point in lives. But to be able to see God's promise, a dream beyond our own lives, what incredible things can happen when God connects with us and when we live out a life of faith. And to 
understand that plain and simple, sharing our faith with kids and grandkids is one of the greatest things we can do. They will live a life if they come to terms with it and receive it. A life of grace that is fulfilled through the promises of God and gives them a greater purpose and meaning to live by. Joseph, in his very last days, had never lost sight of the prize that God had in store for him. And all the, the way through, he faithfully walked with God, and God's presence faithfully traveled with him. But the last thought that, that we'll talk about, and I close, is that Joseph is reminding his people, his family, there and then, that where he was, where he finished life, very strong and powerful and rich and wealthy, was not his final resting place. Egypt was not to be his home. He knew that was part of the promise. He knew that the promise God made with Abraham and that he received for himself was not to stay in some foreign land, in power, in greatness, just for his own glory. But instead, he knew that there was a place across the river, across the Jordan, in Canaan land, in that promised land that God had, had sworn to his ancestors long ago, where he wanted to have as his final resting place. Because it was there that was home. Though he did not live there since he was a boy with his father Jacob, and when he was cast out of his family and taken to Egypt, a long time he stayed away from home. And his desire, his hope at the very end of his days was that he would be put to rest at his true home in God's promised land. Now, it's a um, powerful notion, and that would happen later in the history of the Bible. But for us, where is our home? It's not in Israel or not in Canaan or some other place on the side of the world. It's really not even on a piece of property that we might own or a home place where, where our ancestors might be buried or even in the cemetery across the road where, where generations of our ancestors may be buried. Really, our home is in the place where God is across the river in heaven. That's the place where we desire and where at the end of our lives, if we will set our sights and if we will focus ourselves and live faithfully and accordingly, we'll find ourselves resting at peace in the joy and the strength of the Lord. Joseph desired to live in that physical promised land made to Abraham. We desire to live and hope to live in that promised land that Jesus Christ came to show us the way to. Uh, the way of the cross, where all of our burdens lay down and all of our sins forgiven and all of our shortcomings made up for. The place where the empty tomb reminds us that death is not the end, that there's more to life than this physical body, and then the riches and the wealth that we can gain here. There is so much more in the story of Joseph that speaks to inspire and inform us, and I'm excited about focusing on that in the weeks to come, and I hope that you will be too. And you can be reading about that. You know where the book of Genesis is, right? Yeah, you do in the Pew Bible, 
and I'm sure you can find it at his home as well. Read about Joseph and come and hear the ways that God used him to do great things in the world despite, despite the challenges and the detours that he faced along the way. Where we end our lives is not going to have a large measure to do really with the choices we make about what we will do when and where, but whether or not we will allow the God of presence and the God of promise to accompany us along the way. And that is what will lead us to a life that is faithfully lived.